From the Tulsa World, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. Oklahoma with a huge victory in the Red River rivalry, 34-30. What a great game, fun game. Uh, I know it was exciting. It, it just seems like it always is exciting, Mason. I, I tell you, the way this game started, the way the game ended, Everything in between, I, I don't know. This might have been the most exciting OU Texas game I've witnessed. Uh, just what what were your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, that first quarter was just nuts. Uh, you know, they started with Gentry Williams picks off Quinn Ewers on the second play of the game, and four or five plays later, Dylan Gabriel's rushing for a touchdown, and you know, then it ended with Dylan Gabriel too with a three-yard touchdown pass to Nick Anderson uh then making that drive all the way down the field five plays 75 yards with only a minute 17 left it was incredible it, it started and ended uh, with OU taking control of the momentum and yeah it, you know it's right up there with the the 2020 game four overtimes and the 2021 game with Caleb Williams emergence there's uh, been a run of really good games uh, at the Cotton Bowl lately if we're taking out the 49 to 0 loss last year you know, it's funny, going into the week, I, I asked Brent Venables about quarterback composure and how big it was to have that composure in a game like this, and uh, we saw it. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, just excellent, took care of the ball, ball security. On the flip side, Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, interception in the game's second play, uh, also had a key red zone interception, a great defensive play on by Billy Bowman on the interception to break up the pass. Uh, 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 pulled down by Kendall Dolby on the on the tip on the deflection, and then also uh, Ewers on a scramble had a fumble, um, just uh, recovered by Gentry Williams again. Uh, you know, quarterback composure. You know, it's a big game like that, and we can't say enough about Dylan Gabriel. Uh, you know, I, I I brought it up. I was I told uh, Bill Haston, our columnist, what the question was I was going to ask him, and it, it kind kind of felt funny when I asked Brent and asked a couple of uh, Dylan and I asked uh, Jilla Farouk. Uh, how do you feel about throwing the word Heisman out there when we talk about Dylan Gabriel? I think it's warranted, and uh, I think Vegas odds are, are agreeing with me, too, because now his odds are uh, number three and number four in the nation uh, on terms of where he's at. Uh, he's leading this Oklahoma team, who, which is number five nationally in the AP poll, number six in the coaches poll. Uh, they keep winning. His odds are going to continue to be sky high. And going back to the original thought, though, quarterback composure, that's what it was. Dylan Gabriel played smooth. Even the touchdown pass that won the game, the pocket was collapsing. I mean, there was arms, bodies, everyone was around him. He stayed strong. You know, he's not the tallest guy, but he st stood tall in the pocket and found Nick Anderson in the back of the end zone. That was just an incredible throw to cap an incredible 75-yard drive. There's so much stuff that's cool about that when you think about everything that Dylan Gabriel did in that game just the stuff of legend i mean at one point in the game he's playing with his hand i think essentially covered in blood it's his <laughs> non-throwing hand but he's got a, a a cut on his right non-throwing hand that's bleeding so he's you know ignoring that and he's staying focused and, and leading the team as you would expect out of a veteran guy like dylan gabriel uh, but just the overall i guess ou I don't know if nostalgia is the right word to describe it or how you would characterize it, but just the way that not only has he inserted himself into the Heisman conversation, but how he's inserted himself into OU quarterback lore 
has been really cool to see. He mentioned, he talked about post game, the phone call that he had with Baker Mayfield the night before where Baker told him, you know, do whatever it takes to go win this game. And he did, he responded to the challenge and, and, now we're not going to just look at Dylan Gabriel anymore as this talented guy that came from another school and had some limited success at OU. You know, now I think you you see it more as, man, this is a guy that's really up there is, is going to be one of the, the greater OU quarterbacks of all time. And, I mean, obviously OU's had a lot of them, and I know it's only a two-year sample size for him, but the body of work and the turnaround that he's helped produce uh, within this year and know you now having a chance to potentially be a college football playoff team. Uh, it, it speaks volumes to who he is and, and the credit he deserves for the work he's put in that he's, he's right up there when you think about the great run of quarterbacks that OU has had within this last 25 years. I thought it was real interesting and, you know, humble. It's tough for him to talk about himself. It's tough for a lot of people to talk about himself. And, you know, when you ask him the Heisman question, he said, I just want to focus on going out and doing my job, being with my teammates. And I thought it was really a good a good answer. And I wrote this in my game story. Uh, the only time he really showed that he could be vulnerable was when he was asked about what he thought about people back home in Hawaii, what he thought about that. And he got a little choked up, a little emotional, saying, you know, he plays for the name on the front of his jersey, he plays for the name on the back of his jersey, and he plays for those people in Hawaii. And I had an email, I got an email from a reader who uh, told me, can you imagine uh, being a fan back home and the kickoffs at 6 a.m.? The sun's not even up in Hawaii when they kicked off. And there's probably people back home getting up at 6 a.m., eating breakfast and watching Dylan Gabriel play football. And there are people like that. And it's incredible. There are probably kids back home where he's from who, who want to be Dylan Gabriel when they, they uh, grow up. And uh, the impact he's making on kids back in his homeland is probably more than we understand right now. It's more than we can, probably can comprehend right now. But that tells you what kind of person he is. And uh, his legacy is set back in Hawaii. And now he's setting his legacy here at Oklahoma. So just impressed with him. I don't know what's going to happen in the next back half of this regular season, but he showed us a lot this game. Uh, we we looked at we talked about him standing tall in the pocket, uh, making some big throws. But I think what Steve Sarkeesian said after the game uh, really um, probably could almost be said for a lot of OU fans. Uh, maybe some of the skeptics even with Dylan Gabriel is they didn't expect him to hurt the Texas defense with his legs. And uh, Dylan Gabriel made some, kept some plays alive, got some key first downs with some scrambles, had the big 44-yard run, which was huge, uh, really tried to outrun the Texas defense. If he had a little bit more speed, I think he could have went all the way. If he had Kyler Murray's speed, that's a, that's a, that's a, give, that's a gimme touchdown. But, you know, that being said, he had just enough to really keep things alive. And, uh, you know, I think going forward, defense coordinators are going to be really aware that Dylan Gabriel can really hurt you with his legs. So I was impressed with the way that he, he used, they used quarterback run. And, and it wasn't all scrambles either. There was design run plays too. And give a credit to Jeff Levy for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you mentioned this in your story yesterday as well, but one of the stats that we received from OU was he's the only OU quarterback ever who's thrown for or 250 yards and rushed for 100 yards in the OU Texas game. So that's another piece that just kind of adds to this Dylan Gabriel lore that we're talking about and his place in OU lore. 
But yeah, he's he's been absolutely a catalyst for OU on the ground in a situation where uh, the running backs uh, continue to be rotated in and out with nobody really clearly establishing themselves with the offensive line struggling to correctly execute the run plays in the ways that they want to. He's been able to give OU a different look that they didn't really have last year and that uh, they haven't had always this season but that started to open up more and more with what we saw on Saturday against Texas. And yeah, you know, that's something that he wants to continue to be part of his game. He was talking about after the game, it's really all about just finding ways to win. And so just a very, very determined dude, very focused, completely locked in. You know, it was funny. I tweeted something before the game is the video of him getting off the bus and going into the locker room, but had his headphones on and he just looked super locked in and that's exactly that's exactly the Dylan Gabriel that we've been getting all season and that's exactly the Dylan Gabriel uh, we got in the Cotton Bowl yesterday. Oklahoma, you know, and we'll diagnose this diagnose this a little more as we move on uh, throughout the week and throughout the season, of course, with the run game. You know, when it comes down to it, just be happy there is a run game any way you can get it. Oklahoma ran for 201 yards against a really good Texas defense. Now going deep, a deep dive in the numbers, we'll say 25 carries for, for uh, 73 yards for the, uh, or 72 yards, excuse me, for the, um, for the running backs, which makes you kind of, you know, wonder what's going to happen moving forward. That was between Tommy Walker, Marcus Major, and Gavin Salchuk. So, you know, it comes to less than three yards a carry. So, you know, going forward, you got, you got to wonder that. I bring that up only because, uh, Oh, you found ways to get the ball to Jalil Farouk uh, through the air and in that running back position with direct snaps. We hadn't seen that all year. I think that was huge. Uh, Jalil Farouk had, a, you know, three carries for 13 yards uh, as, a, as a, a running back, basically. But more importantly, through five catches for 130 yards, um, targeted six times, 43-yard grab. Farouk, again, with this offense, you want the ball in his hands as much as possible because of his playmaking abilities, and they found ways to do it. Yep, and, and to the the point of running backs, I thought Toby Walker, again, looked like OE's best guy yesterday. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't a lot. I think he only had like 45 yards, and the yards per carry on that probably wasn't great. I think he had about 14 or 15 carries. Uh, but he was just physical when they needed him to, needed him to be. He had the two one-yard uh, rushing touchdowns. And, uh, you know, I, that was something I had said during going into the game. I said it on the radio earlier this week, and – uh, wrote about it a couple of times, I think, as well. It's like, get him the ball. He clearly looked like your running back, best running back against SMU. Marcus Major had kind of been the guy uh, for a couple of weeks, but he was playing a little bit banged up yesterday. And so Tommy Walker uh, was there when they needed him to to be. And, uh, yeah, Jalil Farouk, as you were talking about, you know, huge uh, career day. I think that was his career high in receiving yards, surpassed what he put on tape against Tulsa. Uh, earlier this season and yeah I mean he just he just continues to be steady for OU uh, when his number is called and how about Drake Stoops too right yeah that 28 yard that 28 yard catch uh, on the final drive seems like he just always shows up in the biggest moments and that he's had he's really had some between the game winning touchdown and the four overtime game to the game tying two point conversion in the 2021 Caleb Williams game he's he's had a really nice uh, career in the Red River rivalry alone. So to see him uh, come up with that, that big catch 
uh, at the end uh, was huge. I think one thing to monitor is uh, it looked like Andrew Anthony uh, kind of maybe came up a little bit gimpy uh, at the end of that game. Maybe didn't play the last few minutes or so. Um, so, you know, hopefully everything's good with him. Uh, he, he, he had a, a few nice plays on Saturday as well. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've got depth. They've got guys that can step up. I mean, obviously Nick Anderson made the game winning catch and continues to be a, a touchdown machine. And, uh, you know, Jaden Gibson and Brennan Thompson didn't get as much run in this one, but those guys are going to continue to be weapons for OU moving forward as well. But Jalil's undoubtedly the leader of that group. And uh, if you if you were thinking at any point this season that, oh, maybe he's really not actually going to be the wide receiver one that anybody's thinking he's going to be, oh, he is. He, he 100% is. Yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're going to hope the best, uh, you know, not just as a football player, uh, just, you know, of course, as a person for everything for Andrew Anthony, uh, you know, just doesn't sound good right now, doesn't look good. Uh, maybe we're supposed to talk to Brent Venables tomorrow and get an update. Hopefully we'll get an update and just, just hope the best. You know, you don't want an injury for anybody. Uh, so that's tough because Andrew Anthony has been a, just a major player for this team. And he's been a feel-good story, too, with coming from Michigan and and having the year that he's having. So we'll we'll get an update from Brent uh, hopefully tomorrow to see what his status is. Uh, you mentioned Nick Anderson, too. Only one catch, three yards, going to kill his uh, yards per catch. Uh, he was leading the nation. He had 27.9 yards. His average goes down to 25.6, which is still a healthy number. Uh, but a three-yard catch will do that. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter when it's the game-winning catch in, in the Red River rivalry. So, um, But going back to, uh, to Anthony, we'll see what happens. That that pushes Jaden Gibson up in the depth chart. So we'll see. You know, it's going to be – all eyes are going to be on Jaden Gibson at that position too. Now, you know, it's going to put thrust him into a more uh, more of a contributing role as long as Anthony can't go. So we'll see what happens there. Defensively, um, you know, defensively, I thought – you know, just start with Gentry Williams. I mean, gosh, he had the, the fumble recovery. He had the interception on the second second play of the game and really could have had a third fumble recovery, it looked like, too, if they ruled that one play of fumble, it was overturned. Uh, just impressed with Gentry Williams. He, just every week he continues to grow and grow and grow, uh, playing so well in his second season. Uh, you know, the 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 Sooners, two more interceptions. They have 12 as a team. They won the turnover margin, 3-0. Just overall, uh, defense played well. They gave up a lot of yards. Yeah, they gave up more yards than they have all season. But uh, 23 points as a defense, you know, 7 of the 30 came out on a special teams play. So uh, I think you can live with 23 points. And they they buckled down in the red zone. They came When they came to the red zone, uh, you know, they had the big fourth down stop. That was incredible. I think we'll be talking about that for a while. First can go up the one, and you don't allow Texas to, to score. I, I think that was pretty incredible too. Yeah, just seeing the, I guess, real confidence that they played with, and the success that they had against a team with just so much talent on offense. You look at Quinn Ewers potentially being a first rounder this year. You look at the skill player talent from Jonathan Brooks in the backfield to Mitchell and Worthy, the receivers that they have. Jatavian Sanders at tight end, even though he maybe wasn't playing 100% healthy in that game. Uh, that's that's an offense that absolutely shredded this OU defense last year. Now, granted, there there's some different there's some different looks to this. You've got a lot of transfers on this OU defense now that had a big impact that weren't there last year for the 49-0 game. 
We've also got a lot of the returners like Key Lawrence and Danny Stutzman and Gentry Williams and Jaron Canick and yada, yada, yada that have stepped up and made a lot of changes in their game. So really cool to see the growth of that OU defense uh, from last year compared to this year. Mentioned the fourth down stop. That was just nuts. Danny talked about the the guys in the front getting a lot of push and, and being able to create two no-game plays and then a play for a one-yard loss to set up fourth down. And then Billy Bowman comes in and stuffs Xavier Worthy off the swing pass. Just wild. Uh, you know, that that's an OU defense that would have absolutely cracked in that situation last year, I feel like. I don't, I don't, I don't think they would have been able to withstand that, and they made a number of key plays, um, even on Texas's last drive as well. Steve Sarkeesian was talking about the sack that Jacob Lacey had on first down and how that completely threw their plan for the drive off kilter. They felt like they had to kick the field goal uh, ultimately to, you know, take the lead. You're trying to win the game, but you left too much time on the clock. You gave Oklahoma a minute seventeen and. Jeff Levy was talking about they had practiced that exact situation the week before, and they were totally ready to be put in that position and have to go make that drive and win the game. And OU stepped up to the challenge, but it's it's not in that it's not in that position if the defense doesn't make the fourth down stand that keeps Texas off the board on that drive, and then the play that threw their last drive uh, in a mess. You know, uh, Texas scored on three of their last four drives and the one drive they didn't score on was that fourth down drive so that was huge i mean texas had some momentum on offense in the drive in those last drives i think one thing that oklahoma will look when they look on film and and look and say hey we do need improvement on this uh will be special teams i mean uh, oklahoma had so much momentum uh you know early but the the punt block in the end zone that resulted in a touchdown uh they uh what else they had a 26 yard yard punt that they <laughs> ended up with net 21 after a penalty and then they had the um what else what there was something else what am i thinking of um well zach smith's field goal i think a 40 40 45 yard field goal attempt that not even close i don't even think it would have cleared 35 yards to be honest they had that one and uh, oh, and the penalty on the reverse, which was a good, a nice design. It was a trick play on a reverse, and they got charged with a forward lateral. And that play came off a um, off a 15 yard penalty on Texas because Texas, for excessive celebration, was a great call because you know you're going to get good field position. And Oklahoma would have been, you know, been a plus, you know, at the 40 near midfield, and they ended up having to, you know, start at their own 15. So you know, you're looking at special teams play. And Oklahoma, I mean, in a game of this magnitude, hidden yards are huge, and Oklahoma lost so much yardage, especially the punt block in the end zone. I mean, Oklahoma had so much. Oh, they gave up a fake punt, too. Um, Texas had the fake punt. That was another play. Uh, and uh, so there was so much. Uh, I think special teams are going to be under the gun a little bit on Oklahoma this, 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 during the off week and then next week preparing for UCF. Yeah, they uh... – I don't I don't recall how many times he punted, but uh, Luke Elzinga did get in there. They did put him in for at least one of the punts, and I think uh, if I remember correctly, it was a little bit shorter punt, but uh, Texas I think fair caught it inside the ten. Uh, I just I think you should give him a shot, or if it's the the kid from Colorado, 
it's, it seems like plaster, unfortunately, just really doesn't have it. There's just really not any consistency there. And you kind of got to wonder after that Schmidt miss as well, you know, is, is Gavin Marshall knock on the door at kicker? Um, you know, the trick plays, the success that they uh, continue to keep having with the creative plays that Jay Nunez is putting in, whether it's the lateral. I mean, I know that they didn't exactly run that right and it didn't work out. But as you said, really nice idea. And we think about the punt blocks uh, from Peyton Bowen. There's been a lot of positives on special teams, uh, but it's all in that kind of creative space, the extras. You got to have the basics down. You got to be able to have good field position off punting. You got to make kicks when they're there. And I just think OU uh, needs to reevaluate that and get that those basic tenets of special teams figured out because that very well, depending on how things went, that could have cost you the game yesterday. And, you know, it could be a problem moving forward too. You just never know. Oklahoma gets the week off, uh, well-deserved week off. Comes at a perfect time too. You get midway point of the season. Uh, you know, there have been seasons when they had an early week off during the bye week or a late one. This is perfect, right in the middle. Uh, six games in, six games left. Uh, they get the week off, then they get UCF, really a, a UCF program that's kind of reeling as well, too. Uh, uh, UCF is also off this week. Um, so we'll get one day with Brent Venables. Uh, Monday, we'll get interviews with Brent Venables and select players. I don't know how many players we'll get. Remember, last week, Texas week, we only got four players. And Brent Venables, I wonder if he says, huh, I got something moving here and we'll only get four players the rest of the season. I don't want to wish that, but we'll see what happens. Um, so uh, Mason and I will have all your coverage. Uh, we'll dip it a little bit into recruiting this week. we got a plan for some recruiting coverage uh, this week, too, during the off week. And uh, we have some other tricks up our sleeve, I guess, right, Mason, for, for our Oklahoma coverage coming up the next month. And it's, things are going to get more busy as Oklahoma continues to win. They put themselves in really good position. Number five, Mason, what do you think? Number five in the AP poll, number six in the coaches poll. Uh, they're positioning this up well, aren't they? Yeah, I think it fits. And, you know, I wrote about this a little bit earlier today when the poll came out. But, you know, assuming they run the table, things line up for them really well. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State are both in the top four, and they got to play each other before it's all said and done. And, you know, Georgia is going to probably face Alabama in an SEC championship game. That's going to be a good game that could maybe kind of shake some things up a little bit. And you also look at uh, this one's maybe like a less of a uh, known, but maybe Duke uh, has the potential to cause some problems for Florida State in the ACC race. They still got to play them. So things line up very well for OU to eventually get in the top four if they run the table. The challenge is going to be, and I think both sides are expecting this, more likely than not, OU is going to face Texas again if it makes it to the Big 12 championship game. I, I, it really seems like that those are clearly the two best teams in the conference, and they're going to be the last two standing when it's all said and done, and uh, you just never know what will happen. I mean, obviously, 2018, OU lost at the Cotton Bowl, but then beat Texas in the Big 12 championship game and made the college football playoff is a role reversal in the cards for the Longhorns. Who knows? We'll find out. But uh, obviously, right now, OU, you got to savor this win while you can. Uh, you got to come back ready to, you know, take down UCF and, and you know, make it all the way through your schedule unscathed before you can worry about a rematch with Texas. So 
they just got to continue to take it one week at a time. And uh, I think the the biggest statement you can make to to you know continue to help your case is if you come out of the bye week and just absolutely throttle UCF, just absolutely show everybody that uh, you're a, you're the superior team in the Big Twelve and that you're not going to come off of off of bye week flat. I think that'll be that'll be really really big because uh, you think about it. Uh, that's that's hurt teams in the past. I want to say, I think the 2021 team was coming off their bye when they went and lost to Baylor in Waco. They had a late bye in the season, and they went and lost to Baylor in Waco, and that just completely threw the season off kilter. Uh, so you you don't want that to happen again. You want to come out and and uh, not be flat and continue to make statements about who you are to the pollsters and, and the people that are making college football playoff consideration. Rat poison. We're talking rat poison. Uh, media's already talking about OU, college football playoff, polls, Big 12 championship game. This is what Brent Venable's job is going to be, is keep his team focused week to week. He, he has, you know, enjoy the week off and then just focus on UCF and let everything play itself out. We're going to get a lot of that in all the answers starting tomorrow. They're not going to want to look ahead, but Oklahoma, you're right. And it's our job to look ahead. We, we're going to look ahead every week. But it's well, our- here's, here's some more rat poison. <laughs> Brent Venables for coach of the year. I mean, yeah. la- I mean, last year we were, we were talking about them, like, can they make a bowl? Uh, and, and, you know, if things got really bad, is he even going to be here? Is he going to be <laughs> one done? Uh, but, you know, the turnaround has been incredible. So, uh, there we'll just throw a little bit more fuel. There's a little bit more rat poison. That should be the next question to Brand. Are you your coach of the year candidate? Forget Heisman. Are you coach of the year candidate? No. And that's the thing. Uh, the date to remember too now for Oklahoma fans. Uh, let me throw some more rat poison. But don't. Yeah, we. I guess we can keep among media and fans. Halloween. That's when the first college football playoff uh, poll is released. So Oklahoma, if they do their job, they win UCF, they win at KU, which is going to be a tougher game. That could be, you know, the, that's going to be a really tough game winning up there in Lawrence. Uh, tougher than never had. I don't know the last time we anyone said that, maybe in the mid-90s, winning in Lawrence will be tough. But if Oklahoma wins those two games, that college football playoff game is going to be huge, or poll will be huge, because that's where you really get a feeling for where Oklahoma stands. So we'll see then. Well, Mason, uh, this has been a long post-game pod, but well-deserved after the epic game that we saw. So, uh, again, thanks to everyone who listens to us uh, anywhere you get your – as always, we say this every time, plat- whatever platform you use, Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever, just keep listening to us. We really appreciate it. And also, all read all our coverage online, TulsaWorld.com, OU Sports Extra. You'll find – You'll, you'll find Mason, you'll find Nathan, Nate Fakin, who does a lot of our video. John Chin just came aboard. He's doing a lot of work. He's a veteran sports writer. He's kind of joined as, you know, kind of pitching, pitching in and giving us a hand. And he's got some great copy. He has had a great uh, story with the uh, SEC commissioner. Uh, what's, I can't even think of his name now. I better learn his name off the top of my head. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Go ahead and tell me. Greg Sankey, Commissioner Sankey, I am so sorry for forgetting your name there. I'm going to, oh, man, we have to cut that part out, man. I'm going to get booted out of the SEC before I can get started. Uh, Yeah, Greg Sankey. I couldn't even think of his name. I drew up, yeah, so, oh, man. Uh, Yeah, Greg, Greg, John Shen had a great, great story with Greg Sankey. We had 15 minutes with Greg Sankey before the game. 
Uh, great. You know, we're the SEC schedule. He would not give us a hint on when that's going to be released. He kind of just smiled every time we asked that question. But John had a great story on Greg Sankey and what he uh, he talked to us about OU uh, in Texas joining the SEC. So a lot of coverage uh, on our Coastal World website. So please be a subscriber, support local media, local journalism. We really appreciate it. And until next time, thanks for listening.